what up, everybody? Welcome to the NBA show brought to you by 265 Media. I'm Daniel Artest on the 265 Media. Today, I got Will Lyons from the Lions Den. I got Zach from the Off the Glass podcast. What up, brothers? I know, I know, I've been away. You know what I mean? Covering the W, but I'm back. You know, quality content only, as I always say. Uh, we had a great episode last week. Me, Wayne, and Will caught up. Wide range of subjects, man. So make sure to go and subscribe to the NBA show with 265, WNBA show with 265. We're doing great content. And again, this is Zach, man. You know my model, fan of no team, but a lover of basketball, man. Let's get it. Yeah, let's get it. Let's get it. So welcome back, DA. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Will, very much, man. That's Will Lyons right there, man. We just we're about to have some fun. So, all right, we here. All right. The stage is set for the playing game for the playoffs, which starts on Tuesday, you know what I'm saying? So, Zach, what you thinking about this whole format of the playing game before we dive into it, man? I mean, the more I think about it as a fan of the game, I, I actually like it. And I know the players are upset. Some are moving the goalposts now that they have to play in it. And fish, initially, they didn't have no issues with it because they didn't have to play in it. But now they have to play in it, they're upset. But again, you know, it, it's a business. Uh, a lot of money was lost during COVID. They're trying to drive interest and not so much for the current TV ratings because this contract has already been done. A lot of people don't know that, but it's for the next contract when they go to negotiate. Plus, Adam Silver was trying to do some kind of in-season tournament, some kind of cup to kind of replicate what goes on overseas in Europe for years. And now with COVID, they had to play in last year. Now it just seems perfect and ideal. And to kind of address some of the issues, right? You know, People have been complaining for years that they need to reseed, kind of like how the WNBA play does. So the best teams get in, not so much the the East and the West, because people complain about the East not being as competitive as the West. But hey, now you have it. Now we have a competitive format to kind of wet our beaks and get us ready for for the for big time playoff basketball. I don't want people to think this is not the playoffs. This is the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Think of it like wild wild card Saturday in the NFL. It's the same thing. I think it's a dope model. The fact that uh, you have to play a couple games, depending on who you are, to get in, I, I think it, to the, the official playoff setup, I think it's dope, man. I, and so as time went on, I've kind of come around to, because I had that player in me at first, like, man, they got to play some more games. But now I kind of like it, man. I think it's going to be exciting. I can't wait. Yeah, it, it's kind of fun to have these type of playing games. And so, you know, you know, even with David Stern, you know, wanting to have the cup games, even with the WNBA just started their commissioner's cup game yep. um, this yep. weekend. You know, we we both played over there. So we know the importance of, of a cup game. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, from 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 your perspective, you know, being that professional player that, that played overseas for a little minute. <laughs> Let me run that back. As a professional player, you know what I mean, who played overseas, you know what I mean for 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 many years and stuff. Just explain to the to the listeners exactly what the cup game are is. You know what? And it was something that just be quite frank. I didn't get the playing. Um, I never played at the highest level overseas. Um, but I do know the importance of it. Um, even if you weren't on that team, it kind of was a big deal, even for the country. You know, even being because I was in Finland, which was kind of making their mark yeah. in basketball at that time because they're known more as a hockey country. And I remember hearing about, you know, Lori Markkinen at that time, he might've been 12, 11 yeah. or something, like kind of coming up through their, through their basketball ranks. And I remember when they finally got 
a Euro Cup team. Like it was a big deal for the whole country to go and compete um, at, at another level. So the cup thing is everything. And even having some of my friends that or associates that I know, listen to them tell stories about how raucous the crowd is and how it's paint the town red. It's like homecoming, for example, for us here in the States on steroids and how big it is to win that cup. And then for some countries in a lot of ways, it's almost more important than the EuroLeague title or something yeah. like one may one may ask. So me personally, I never got to experience it. That was one of my main regrets. You know, I just didn't get the opportunity to, but I, I do understand the dynamic of it, having friends that competed in, again, being in a country that only had one team that was able to per, compete at the Euro Cup level. That's crazy because in, in, in Germany, when I played in Germany, they had cup games. You know what I'm saying? So I, that's weird that in, in Finland they wouldn't have it, but I guess in Germany they did because they had it in multiple divisions and everything. So no, they only had it in the top league, in, in the top league in Finland. And I played wow. in the league right underneath that. Yeah, so wow. I didn't get to – we were really playing the whole season like everybody else, not to get regulated or playing to move up. Yeah, That's yeah. really what – you were really doing all season. Yeah. Well, the cup games, like you said, it, the, it's different. It's like a, it's a soccer atmosphere. You know what I'm saying? And, and yeah. it's definitely, it holds more weight than, you know, the European cup and stuff. You know what I mean? So like, it's just, it's just a, it's just a, a crazy experience, man. Like the games, it just matter more. So like what we're about to go into talking about the playing game, these games matter. These are not just these BS games and everything that a lot of these fans on social media are talking about, you know, I'm talking to Laker fans and they just think that it's going to be easy because they beat Golden State three times this year. But I'm like, it just don't work like that. You know what I'm saying? This is a one game thing. Now, you may not be eliminated from the playoffs because you got a two top seeds, like, you know, the eighth right. and the seventh seed or whatever. But this is still, you know, this is still gut check time. You know what I mean? This is still a game. This is like a, still a game seven or whatever. So, you know, um, it's, it's definitely important. I'm going to just explain how to how to play in works and everything. So basically, to put it in a nutshell, you know, the seventh and eighth team, um, eighth place teams in each conference play against each other. And the winner earns the number seven seed. The loser of that game, seven and eight, plays the winner of the ninth and, and ten game. And the winner of that game becomes the eighth seed and the losers, you know, they go home pretty much. So, man, we got in the Eastern Conference, we got 10th place Charlotte versus ninth place Indiana and eighth place um Washington versus seventh place um seventh place Boston. So what you thinking about that Eastern Conference um side of uh, of this uh playing games? The East I'm kind of disappointed because I I wanted everybody to be healthy. Um that I think that's going to play a huge factor in the East. I mean the whole season in general has been a nutshell of who can stay healthy at the right time. So for Boston to be without Jalen Brown uh, is tough. And then knowing that Malcolm Brogdon is a game time decision with a hamstring, Miles Turner has been ruled out. Mm. And now for Charlotte, which was a young promising team playing well to lose Gordon Haywood. And again, Gordon Haywood is a really good basketball player. I, I just think, I don't think people really understand how good he is. Unfortunate, you know, he broke his, the, the ankle, the foot, and it kind of derailed Boston. That's why Boston is in the position they're in right now. But mm -hmm. when he was playing well in Boston, playing well in Charlotte, he just brings another dynamic at his size, man. He run, you can run offense through him. He can ball handle. He can decision make. You can run pick and roll. Of course, he can shoot it. 
And he was giving them that veteran, what, leadership that they needed with a team full of young guys being led by the rookie sensation himself, LaMelo Ball. So yeah. I'm just upset that the, they're, the both teams are not going to be healthy because I really believe in both games these could really have been some dogged-out, slugfest-type games if the teams were healthy. Now, really don't know. Zach, you make an interesting point, man, with Hayward. Like, people forget, man. You know, they only remember the last thing they saw on SportsCenter. You know, and, and Hayward brings tremendous value to that lineup. But I, I kind of um, – I'm liking Charlotte, man, on low-key. Like, I just feel like um, without Turner, you know, in that lineup and not knowing – uh, you know, that what's going to happen with Brogdon, you know, it, it's just a situation where Indiana has the best player, um, you know, with a bonus, no question. But I feel like with Ball, you know, he's such a um, – he's a ceiling and a floor raiser for that team, you know, and the way they yeah. rally around him, you know, it's like a competitiveness that we haven't seen with the Charlotte team in a long time, you know. Um, and then, you know, they got – that the closer that nobody really talks about and Terry Rozier, you know, and uh, when I watched them play Washington the other day, you know, they can get hot, man. And they, they really, they can hit all over. Um, so, you know, if they shoot anywhere close to, you know, the way the potential that they have, they, they can get, uh, it can get kind of scary, man. And Indiana's got some intriguing pieces, but I don't know how well they fit without um, Brogdon kind of steadying the ship for them. Yeah, man. Uh, losing Brogdon is definitely a tough goal for well, potentially losing Brogdon potentially could be tough. You know, what I mean, for the Pacers, you know, losing Miles Turner is tough, too, as well. Like, wasn't Miles Turner like one of the top, at least top five defender in, in the NBA this year, led the league in blocks and everything? He was leading the league in blocks and because he got hurt, uh, Gobert ended up uh, surpassing him towards the end. Uh, but yeah. he was leading all year. He was definitely a candidate to be defensive player of the year. So, yeah, you're right, D.A. Yeah, um, you know what? And then, you know, with the situation with Gordon Hayward being out, and I understand that, but I kind of think that the injuries to, you know, Brogdon and um Miles Turner kind of cancels Gordon Hayward out now as well. Like, you know, um they you know, Charlotte has been playing really well. You see what LaMelo Ball's been doing this season and everything, how that how he galvanized that team and everything. Yeah, they they kind of slipped. I think at one point they was all the way up to five at one point in in, in the east. And then they slipped all the way down the 10th or whatever. But I kind I kind of feel like I kind of feel like honestly, like, yeah, they slipped a little bit, but with Indiana losing their big pieces and potentially Brogdon being out, you know, I kind of think that this this game right here could literally go, you know, you know, either way and stuff, man. You know, it's it's, it's but you're right though, Zach, at, at what you said at the top, as far as like, you know, you wishing everybody was healthy because you know, these injuries um definitely hurt hurting a lot of teams and everything. And um, like just, you know, I've been in and out of the NBA since I've been focusing on the W real quick. I just want to know, like, you know, what happened with Boston? Like they were supposed to be the team that, you know, I mean, was supposed to make that jump. I know, um, I know, I think Jalen Brown got injured. I understand yeah. that. But I always still thought like, you know, with Tatum or, you know, with, with, with those guys and stuff like that, like they, I didn't even know they was really – and um in ninth place, but I knew they were struggling, but I thought they was like in that fifth, sixth range. But yeah, no, what happened? No, you it's one of those things like I, I'm you were doing stuff with the W and I was watching too, you know, we do both, but yeah, it was one of the things even for me. I was shocked when I really looked at Boston, like I knew they were struggling, but some told me one day just to kind of go look at the record, and I was like, Oh, like okay, they dropped way down. Yeah. Um, I just want to say something real quick too on that point though. 
Brodden is an example uh, to the fans where you have to play guards more minutes than you may not want to because one of your guys is out. So that means everybody kind of moves up in the rotation. And now we're talking playoffs, not regular season. Um, and then also to Will's point, Charlotte has the ability to get hot. And again, we're talking about one game. But Boston, for me, it goes back to even to last year. I, when, once I figured out that Haywood probably was going to walk, I said, if Haywood walks, I didn't know they were not going to get anything back besides, I, I think they got like a trade exception or something. I, I, I knew they was going to have to do something different. For me, I thought coming into the season, I would have dealt Marcus Smart because he was your most valuable asset outside of Jalen Brown and Tatum. Kemba, unfortunately, he has not been healthy and he has not had that rhythm. And yeah. um, it really starts with that because they don't have a consistent third score. Who is their consistent third score? Marcus Smart is the culture. He's the identity of that team. But sometimes when you watch him play, he plays like he feels he's the best player on that team. Yeah. And I just really feel like for Tatum and Brown to kind of really be the future and unlock what they ultimately can be. This is just my opinion. This is not knocking Smart. I love Smart. It might be time for him to kind of move on because a lot of people watching Boston think they could just fire Brad Stevens and sign one person and they're going to be okay. And it's like, no, nah, this is, you guys got to really watch what's going on. Like this team really struggles to score offense. And as much as I love Kimba, I was on record saying I thought he would be a better fit than Kyrie. Uh, I actually said I prefer Kimba than Kyrie in a lot of ways. And Kimba just has not been healthy, DA. So that's really what it comes down to is they have not had a consistent third score in a game, in a league where guys are putting up a lot of points. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah, I think that with Kimba too, man, like, and you know, just me being from New York, you know what I mean? And, you know, shout out to Kimba and everything, but you know, short point guards, man, also, you know, like you can't be short and hurt. You know what I'm saying? At the same time, yeah. like it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy. And as far as the Marcus Smart situation, like you're not saying he's like listen, J Tatum and, and Jalen Brown need to be the best players on that team, right? Which they are the best players on that team. So it needs to be their stamp. You know what I'm saying? Not the Marcus Smart culture. Like they don't really need Marcus Smart to win. Yeah, he does the the gritty defensive plays or anything like that. But Zach, let's be honest now, okay? Let's just keep it a buck, like you say. You know what I'm saying? Like how many games you really think that Marcus Smart really affected, you know what I'm saying, the outcome of a game, you know, with his defense? Yes, he has a lot. But no, I think when they were really humming, yeah, like Gordon Hay, like when they really had yeah. their team, yeah, that's when you really see his value. Yeah. And again, this is not knocking him, but if you really watch their games, he'll have moments where he's taking a shot that he shouldn't be taking. It's Thank like it's like, bro, move the ball. It's not your turn to shoot. And then even KDOT is saying, you know, in the beginning of the year, he felt like they would drop out of the top fourth. He didn't think they'd be this low. I thought they would drop out as well because I saw already that Kimball just could not stay healthy and you were letting, letting Haywood walk. And I'm, compi I'm compiling some information now because I want to do a podcast on injuries. And I just really believe the knee injuries that we're seeing from the smaller guys and guards in general is because all the torque that they're putting on their leg doing these step backs to create this space. Mm -hmm. These unnatural movements of the knee. If you look at some of the steel shots and pictures and see how their leg is way out extending, you're trying to push off. That's the same knee that Kimba struggles with. 
It's the yep. right knee. It's the same knee. And you see that a lot. I really believe there's a correlation to that. So Boston is in a tricky spot. I'm not one of those people that think, okay, you get rid of Brad Stevens and then what? Who are you replacing them with? I'm always one of those people. We can say fire people and I'm all with it. But and I and I do think Brad is a little overrated, just being honest with you. But the same thing with Terry Stotts in Portland. Yeah, they might need to change that if it doesn't work out this year because it's been so long. Yeah. But I don't think that's an indictment of Terry Stotts as a coach. So you got to just be careful when you want to just change our coaches. I think Danny Angelum kind of messed this up. And then they had some bad luck with the Haywood injury. It didn't work out with Kyrie. He wasn't able to sign free agents. And then the league kind of has a sour taste in their mouth when it comes to Boston because they saw what they did with IT. Yeah. So now this is a pivotal game for them as a franchise. Um, I think for Tatum, uh, he's going to be fine. He's continuing to grow and work. Um, Tatum, again, he's a guy that I said athletically, he's not as gifted as some of the other players. So his game is going to be really predicated on skill. But recently this season, bro, he's been seeing a lot more double teams, a lot more zoning up on his side. So it's not easy for him to just dominate like people expect when you watch the games. Because, again, not being a broken record, they're so anemic some nights offensively. They really struggle to score points. Yeah, you make you make a good point, man. And that's why those players are there. That's why those coaches is there, too, to come up with these game plans and everything like that. Listen, like. They know that, you know, players like Brown and, and um, you know, Tatum is going to get past that first line of defense. What they what these coaches like to do, they like to talk about that second line. You know what I'm saying? That's the that's the line that, you know, I mean, that separates, you know, I mean, the men from the boys, man, the good players from the elite players and everything like that. So, yeah, man, I, I feel bad for Boston, man, because I really thought they was going to make that leap. But everything that you said, man, you hit it on the head, man, as far as from Brad. But, and then that's why, too, this yep. era, I don't like guys from older eras saying, well, why does he just settle for jump shots? Yeah, sometimes they do need to get to the basket more with the transition threes. Yeah. But when you watch how they're playing Tatum, they're zoning him up. He can't necessarily, he could beat the first guy sometimes, but then there's another guy there. Like, what is he supposed to do? Like, run him over or, you know, so it's, it comes to where he makes the right read. That's what yeah. he improved on this season. He makes yeah. the right pass. But if the next guy's not making the shot, then it's like, well, okay, at that point, who fault is that really? So... Yeah, uh, I, I think they're going to run into a hot Washington team that's clicking. The only thing you kind of look at is maybe Bradley Beal with the hamstring. Um, but, you know, with Russ playing how he's playing, the confidence that they're playing with, even somebody like Ish Smith coming off the bench has played, excuse me, great basketball for him. I could see Boston easily losing this game to Washington if Tatum doesn't come out and put the team on his back and have one of those 35, 34-point games. And if Kimball can't get to 20, who else scores? That, I, don't that, see, I don't see it because Westbrook is going to put so much pressure on Kimball. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Hopefully so much pressure in that open court. And I think that Tatum needs to go for like 45. And this is one of them games that Tatum got to go because what Westbrook does, Westbrook, yeah, he's, he's averaging 26, 14, and like 12 in the month of May, right? So, but basically that, that, that 12 assists is basically another, you know, potential, he's basically generating like 50, 55, 56 points per game and offense, total offense with his points and his assists. Like, so to beat him, you know, um, you're going to have to really have a big scoring output from, from, from the guys like Tatum and also, you know, uh, uh, the, the lesser guys, you know what I'm saying? And what Westbrook is doing, like you said, how he's been playing, he's been playing like how 
I've been wanting him to play all season. I've been very oh. critical of Westbrook because this is there's two types of Westbrooks. I said it in the previous podcast, and I'm gonna say it now. There's two. The first Westbrook, this Westbrook right here, attacking the rim. You know what I mean? Running downhill, putting the onus on the referees to make the calls, putting the pressure on the defense, not the foul. But then you got the other Westbrook, that one I want to prove to everybody that he can shoot, which plays in the hands of the defense and stuff. Because you know, you want Westbrook to actually make two, three, three-pointers in a row. You want him to do that because then he's going to stay there. You know what I'm saying? So with this Westbrook that's attacking, you know, this this is the game right here where, like, the Wizards, as bad as they was, and we was, we was you know, we was, you know, slandering them, not slandering them, but we was calling them out when they was playing bad. You know what I mean? But now they they picked it up. They were rolling at the right time. They could definitely make a, they could definitely make a case for, you know, Getting into getting into that playoff spot, man. You know? I mean, but they lived up to what I thought they was coming into the to the season. Um, I thought they would be a playing mm. team, fringe AFC. So I thought they write they wrote the ship and they was able to do that. I think Westbrook too doesn't get enough credit. The criticism for me as a former point guard was sometimes decision making and the reads. I thought he's done much better with that this year in the last couple years, to be honest with you. And um, you know, so I think. They're going to run into a buzzsaw, uh, getting Gafford from the Bulls, who are one of my favorite players. You know, he was one of my rookies last year going into the season as a flying under the radar rookie that you should watch. Um, KDOT was asking, do you believe that Jalen Brown, not Jalen Brown, not playing his natural position of three hurt him this year? I don't think so, KDOT, because he was still putting up all NBA type numbers. I think he finished up with like 26 a game. So, I mean, he I hurt his that. wrist. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Will. I was going to say, I agree. I don't think I heard him this year. I think, like, long-term, you know, he needs to be a three wherever he's at. Yeah. But, you know, look at the numbers. Like, you know, he's he saw an uptick in literally every category. You know, his, and his efficiency went up, which we rarely see. Yeah, and when you're making an argument for All-NBA, the sexy pick is going to be Tatum. But when you look at their stats side-by-side, side, like Jalen, I believe, shot the three better. Tatum shot a little bit better from the field overall, but it's their stats are very close. One might have did better than other in one. You know, it's very close. So he was just as important to their success. Even games I remember this year where, like the game Tatum has 60. He didn't shoot it well, but he makes the big three in the corner, Jalen yeah. Brown. So, you know, not to beat a dead horse, I just don't know where the points are going to come from in a one-game playoff. I, I just don't know where the points are going to come from from Boston. Mm, yeah. and real quick, before we move on, um, I just want to, like, from watching Boston and Washington, I think the difference maker, like you said, will be the role players. And I think um, one guy that's going to have a few guys, you know, for Washington is going to be the rotation of big men. Because one of the big issues that uh, Boston had, or really a small issue, is their lack of size um, in the paint, mm -hmm. you know, Um they got Tristan Thompson a few years too late, um, you know, and they rely too heavily on Robert Williams. And I think we're going to see, and I never thought I'd be praising this guy, but Robin Lopez um, have a, <laughs> a pretty big, you know, game for himself scoring-wise. You know, he, he's been out there hook-shotting it up, man, and he's been playing <laughs> very well. Um, and then you got Alex Lynn, you know, another guy that, that's a seven-footer that just – from the virtue of, you know, his natural size, you know, is going to make yeah. a difference out there. And then Gafford, the real key, you know, um, who should be starting, but um, who played, he's a perfect complement for Westbrook. You know, he's, he's a big time lob threat and he just makes plays that 
nobody else on that roster at the five spot can make. Um, yep. You know, and I think that's the difference. And with Boston, with Kemba, never knowing what you're going to get with Kemba, um, they're too reliant on Peyton Pritchard. And Peyton's been a lot better um, than I thought he would be. And I will say the first person I saw really praising Peyton Pritchard was Zach. So I got to give him his flowers on that. Um, you know, he he's looked really good. But if Marcus Smart is your third best and Peyton Pritchard is your fourth best player in a winner go home scenario, you don't have much hope. Oh, cool. and, and that was my point, too, like with the smart thing. I thought he was holding Pritchard back because early on in the season, Pritchard was playing off the ball a lot. Mm. And even now you can tell, like, as a rookie, the up and down, the lack of rhythm at times. It's like at Oregon, this guy was dynamic with the ball in his hands and now he's playing off the ball. And also, too, I just looked at it. They say Robert Williams is a game time decision. You know, he's been fighting off the turf toe, which is a very painful injury for those yep. who don't know. Like that's <laughs> that's no I mean, they probably might shoot some in his foot, you know, but to see if he can get out there. But there's no quick remedy for that besides rest. That's like plantar fasciitis. It's a yeah. very painful injury that turf toe. I've never had it, but I had friends that had it. It's a very painful injury. So. Yeah, I think we That's all. Big. We, yeah, they said he a game time decision. I just looked it up just to double check. So yeah, okay. You know. Let's um let's move on to the to the West. You know what I'm saying we got uh -huh. uh, um we got the Spurs at, at at Memphis, and then we got the game that everybody want to see. I don't really <laughs> care about it. The Warriors and the Lakers, you know what I'm saying? I'm Look, gonna man. say you don't care about it, DA. That's well, let me tell you why because everybody's everybody's just talking about it, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to <laughs> see, I, I want I want the other guys to get some love. You know what, Zach? You know, this is this is this is this is the podcast where we ain't really just worried about the big narrative stories and everything like that. We hearing we hearing everything, and you know, we're hearing players talking about you know, grown men diving into their legs and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? And um, you know, but you know what? <laughs> this fits our podcast because it, I it believe. Does. Steph does not get the credit that he deserves. I don't yeah. know if it's a, you know, a light skin thing. Uh -oh. I, I I don't I don't know if it's a, you know, it's a lot of hate that be thrown in his direction. And I've argued for years that it was LeBron, Katie, and him for this league at the top, and then it was everybody else. I love and, Steph, man, and I I want him as a as a fan. You know, I I, I just I love his approach, and I I think people don't understand. I keep saying this. He's a 6'3 guy. Like, that's a big guard. I'm 6'3, but in a, in, a, in a league of giants, what he did this season with that team, and also shout out to Draymond Green, um, who kind of stirs the drink for them and gets, he's the engine. He has everything. And the way they work together to get Steph's shots and Steph's shot making, I mean, all four levels to the basket around the rim. I kind of want to see him do this, man, because, you know, you had a, a you had even Perk coming out saying like, you know, I finally got to give you your love. And I'm like, okay, Perk, it took you 12 seasons of watching this guy play and dominate and you played against him in the finals to finally say you was wrong about him. It's like, come on, man. So yeah, I kind of want to see him that for that reason, DA, that's why I'm kind of looking forward to this matchup. Yeah. But back I, to the- I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, right. back back to the Spurs and, and Memphis though. Uh, what do you think, DA? Man, listen, the Spurs I'm, I'm, is your I'm, team. I'm trying, I'm trying, listen. We rarely talk about the Spurs, so I'm not going to even be biased about it. Like you know, what I'm saying mm -hmm. like this this game also can go either way. These are just these are two really good teams, and um, honestly, to be honest, I want to see John Morant in this situation. You know, what I'm saying like I kind of think that he's next up, man. You know, what I mean, he's one of these great point guards, and but 
to be next up. You got to win in the playoffs. And like we said at the top of the show, this is a playoff game and stuff like that. So I want to see John Morant come out and show him that he's ready the first time, not lose and try to, you know, win again or whatever like that. So I kind of I kind of want to see what, what, what John Morant really, really is about. Um, You know, I want to see, you know, Dylan Brooks, who was actually really good defensively the other day until he fouled out and stuff like that. But, you know, we need him, you know, to shoot better and stuff. Like Memphis is a really good up and coming team. Man. And, um, you know, just by, you know, watching them somewhat, you know, throughout the season and everything, I think I think that they can they can definitely make some noise. I mean, the Spurs is beatable. You know what I mean? To be honest, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? So, like, what you think, Will? I'm curious to see what Will thinks. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that point guard matchup. You know, as a true like Hoop fan, the the unheralded man as far as like the fans, the Jante mm-hmm. Murray, you know, the, the defensive savant versus John Morant, the dynamic point guard. Mm. I think that's gonna be dope, man. Um, but I think that uh Memphis is just a totally different team with um Jaron Jackson back, you know. Yes. Um and they're really deep. They don't have big names, but they got hoopers. You know, Kyle Anderson's that we talked about on the last podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dylan Brooks, you know, uh, DeAnthony Melton. Like, they're, they're just – it's like a next man up, you know, and that grittiness that even though the players and the pace is different, you know, it's, it's carried over to, like, the next um, era in Memphis. You know, Zebo and them are gone, but that that toughness is still there, you know, and I think – I think they're going to come out guns blazing, man. And I feel like Ja, he's been playing well, man, especially since he, uh, you know, anointed himself top five, you know, in the point guard rankings. Um, and I just feel like there, there's something, you know, with Ja, you know, it's, it's beyond his natural ability, like his confidence. And it's just like, you know, the, his teammates are going to rally around him. Now, I will say, though, that game goes either way because we cannot sleep on the mid-range mayor, you know, and uh, DeMar DeRozan, man, you know, he, he's seen an uptick in his playmaking, you know, uh, he's gotten better throughout his career, but I think he's over six assists this season. You know, I didn't think, you know, a guy that was once kind of looked at, you know, as somewhat of a black hole would become, you know, such a big part on getting other guys involved. And I think that maturation really makes it interesting because we know DeRozan can get buckets, man, low-key with the best of them. Um, so I think it's going to be intriguing. But I, if I had to pick, I think Memphis got him. I want to make a point so, real quick. I want to make a point real ahead. quick, Will. Um, DeMar DeRozan is actually the consigliere of the mid-range mafia. Carmelo Anthony is the top <laughs> boss, and the consigliere actually advises the top boss or whatever to <laughs> whenever, whenever they move. So DeMar DeRozan is the consigliere of – the mid-range mafia. That's all I, like I that. want to say. I like that. No, I appreciate I like that. that correction, brother. I don't want no smoke with uh, with Melo and, and his. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. And see, K. Dot is kind of echoing what I'm getting ready to say. He said the Grizzlies have yet to prove that they can win games when they count. So when the Spurs get an opportunity, can they actually pull it off? And I mean, I'm a huge fan of Ja. You know, I, I thought he should have been the number one pick. Mm. I had him as the rookie of the year regardless of Zion getting hurt. But in year two, it's kind of been an up and down thing with consistency with Ja. And I think that's the next step in his growth process. I think he's taking a slight step back in his feeling, his decision-making in critical times throughout the game. Uh, 
he doesn't have a lot of turnovers. It's one of those things you got to watch the game, but he has those turnovers or those plays where they, they, they turn to empty possessions at the wrong time. Um, I think the Golden State game yesterday was a perfect illustration of that. That game came down to an attention to detail game on the defensive end and not being disciplined and not communicating. And I even illustrated it in the one defensive play uh, that I that I put on Twitter. But even if you looked at the play before that, you know, Jan, uh, Valanciunas was tired and Milton wanted to guard <laughs> Draymond Green and uh, Valanciunas was trying to tell him like, no, I got Draymond, you're younger, you're fresher, you get out there on Steph and nobody gets out on there. Looney screens him and he gets a wide open three. So with the Spurs, with Popovich, DeRozan, Rudy Gay, guys over there who have been proven, even Devontae Murray, he's not a spring, you know, he's in what his fourth season now. So he's a little bit more seasoned. Patty Mills is still over there. You know, you got a lot of guys that's kind of been in this situation. Yeah. With Memphis, I don't know what to expect. I don't know if they're going to be able to come out because you got to be able, I think that's the next step with Ja. You have to not only be consistent game to game, he has to be consistent from possession to possession. And late in games, it's not always about whether you turn it over or not. Sometimes not getting a good shot is just like turning the ball over, especially if they can come down and transition and your defense is not set. So Memphis, as much as they may have the talent and the edge, Jaron Jackson Jr. gives them an added dynamic um, coming back, something that they definitely needed. I wouldn't be surprised. And I, and I said this coming in, you know, in the last podcast, that I thought I liked Memphis' chances. I really did. But I think this was kind of the wrong matchup for them, to be honest with you, because this is a very veteran-laden type team with experience and championship pedigree with uh, Coach Popovich. So I don't know if Memphis pulls this off, because last year, even in the playing game against Portland, they went to overtime and it came down to job being able to get them in. It's not enough to just run high ball screen. You know, you got to be able to get your guys in some maybe some motion misdirection type things, get the ball moving and make sure you're getting quality shots. Last year, he's a rookie. He's only a second year player, so I don't want to get too crazy. But yeah, that, that that makes me nervous in this kind of one game spot. Yeah, I, I mean, I do agree, man. It's definitely it's definitely. All right, I think that with 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 Memphis, what they got to do is to to even win this game. They're gonna have to start blowing them out from the jump. You know what I'm saying? And then hopefully, you know, you know, force the Spurs to actually play and fight back to to win this game or whatever. But if they are just level with the Spurs the entire time, yeah. You know that coaching experience matters, man. You know, Greg Popovich, one of the greatest basketball minds, you know, ever, if not the greatest basketball mind. So like, you know, it's gonna be a tall task for Memphis. Um. You know, but um, I I think I think just it's it's gonna be um uh it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a really good game, man. With with my I'm trying to be you know what I mean as <laughs> as um you know non biased as possible. As you know, so I'm trying, man. But, it's, but it's to your tough. point, I will <laughs> say this to your point, Da. Dylan Brooks doesn't have to chase Steph Curry around, so his offense and his legs should be a little bit more sharper. You know, I had tweeted out he was one for nine in the first half against Golden State yesterday because of so much energy being spent having to chase Steph around and still be one of their main scorers on offense. So he doesn't have to worry about that. So the young legs might uh, be, prove to be beneficial. But I agree with you with your analysis on that. I think they need to jump on them from the start because, again, watching yesterday's game, that attention to detail is just not there. It just wasn't there. 
just the different mistakes. Even when Poole hit the three in the corner, Steph drives baseline. That was Morant's guy. They're ball watching Steph. He had no clue that Poole cut behind him because his back wasn't to the baseline. And he yeah. hit a three in the corner. Like those kind of things matter in close games in this time of season, this time of year in the season. It just does. Yeah, and and uh, like you know, you can't really make those mis mistakes in the nine ten game because that nine ten game, you're going home now. If you're in the eight seven, you do have another chance. You know what I mean? If right. you lose, you know what I'm saying. So, like that that nine ten game, you got to be on point, man. And that's what's going to be also um a thing too, just being mentally engaged in the game and stuff like that. Hey, let's move on to our final matchup: the Lakers versus the Warrior Warriors playing game number eight versus number seven. And um, Zach, man, you know, this is the game everybody want to talk about. This is the game that the NBA, the ratings, the people, the TV people, the Nielsen ratings, this is what they all wanted. And now we have it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> the, the best series of, 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 of the playoffs, of, of the playoffs um, pretty much. We got um, Steph Curry, man, who's coming in hot, you know, um, being the oldest person since Michael Jordan to win a scoring title and everything, age 33. Yeah, you know, he's just been on a roll and everything. So it's, it's going to be crazy. It's, 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 two, it's two stories to this game is, you know, slowing down LeBron James, slowing down Steph Curry. You know what I mean? This one right here is just a one game, you know, test of wills pretty much. You know, we already know what Steph can do. He can definitely, you know, he's going to take his shots. He's going to make his shots, you know, and you got to really be keyed in on him because he can definitely shoot you in a game or, or shoot you out of game. Well, not as far as losing, but get you blown out or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, what's your thoughts on this uh, Warriors-Lakers matchup? I think it comes down to the Lakers just having a little bit too much. Uh, I think KCP is going to take that responsibility. I always say he's, to me, their key player, um, both offensively and definitely on the defensive end. Uh, LeBron, he's going to lean on on AD and Schroeder offensively because he tweaked the ankle again a little bit the other night yesterday. So he was kind of limping, limping around a little bit. So I, I don't know how he's feeling. I don't know if the chemistry is there. Um, shout out to Schroeder because apparently he was healthy the whole time. He didn't get sick. He just didn't want to take the vaccine. That's a story that nobody's talked about. That's kind of flew underneath the radar. He was not sick. He said, I was not sick. He never tested positive. He's just the only guy on the team that did not want to get vaccinated. So that, that bodes well from that standpoint. That means his legs, his lungs, everything is good to go because I think they're going to need to lean on him early, him and Harold with that energy on offense to kind of get them to do these early rounds if they want to make that championship push while LeBron and AD still get their footing. Lucky for them, AD came back a few games before LeBron and he's starting to kind of get his rhythm again. But Steph has to have 50. And, and what I mean by 50, not just his points, but when he's hitting shots, that means his gravity, which is already crazy, is going to be crazier, which that allows other guys to make shots. And with Poole playing better, confidence is everything in basketball. If Steph is shooting it like that and his gravity is all over the place and Poole is able, let's say, to get 25 points, 24 points, then the Lakers might have a problem. But I think the, at the end of the day, they just have more talent than Golden State has in this round. Even though Wiggins has been better than the casual fan wants to admit. He's played much better this year. So, um, but again, I just think the Lakers in this matchup just have a little bit too much. In this you made matchup. a you made a great point on bringing up Kentavious Cowell Pope because um, as I was doing my research, I found something. Okay? Ah, let's hear it. 
is KCP the curry stopper? You know what I'm saying? Like, listen, and they 16 games across, you know, um, KCP's career, he's held Steph to 41% shooting, 32% from mm. the three, and only 20 points per game. Mm. That's struggling he's the, right there. And um, from Curry's standards right there, you know what I'm saying? That's actually, But he's perfect when you look at his, yeah. what, perfect height, perfect arm length. He can really move his feet. Like, he's kind of the kind of prototype that you will want to put on a Steph. And he's stronger than he people. I mean, he's a very, yeah, you know, like, wiry-type strong. Like, not wiry, but he's a, you know, strong guy. So, yeah, it makes sense. That's not surprising. Again, Lakers fans used to criticize him. I think he kind of got off that a little bit when they won the title last year. But I will always say he's the key to what y'all got going on. I know y'all love Caruso, and that looks cute, and that's cool. But I was like, nah, like y'all best role player is KCP. Like he's your best role player because he can shoot it as well. Yeah, he can shoot it as well. So exactly. yeah, no, that's a that's a great stat, DA. It makes hey, sense though when you think about it. Hey, here at Two Sixty Five Media, man. Like I say, man, we we really love the game, and whether we covering men's women's basketball, we always doing our research, man. And I also want to make another point, another thing that I found about the Warriors too, man. On the Warriors side, as far as like guarding LeBron James and stuff like that, you know, like Andrew Wiggins, like you said, like you know, casuals have not been showing them no love. This is what I hate about the the the, the casual fans about the NBA, man. They'll hold you, and that, so that when, yeah, yeah, they'll yep. hold you there yeah. forever. Yep. You know yep. what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yep. like, you know, even even with like the situation where like, you know, you see Kwame Brown going crazy on social media. I know I'm going off for a second, but Kwame Brown, like, you know, what I'm saying like he had a career that lasted 13 years. Like, you know, he won. You know what I'm saying? So and like, he, he has some legit points. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like like I, I was setting them screens like that's real. Like he has some legit points. Yeah, that's what because he he's with. been seen as this goofball that can't catch the ball because yeah. of what Stephen A. Smith and them did in the media and all that. That's why, again, over here, we champion that. Like, yep. nobody's saying you can't have a quote-unquote negative critique or opinion about a player, but just do it respectfully. You know, a lot of stuff that goes on is just flat-out disrespectful and just keeping it a buck. You wouldn't talk like that to Kwame Brown in his face. Yeah, like, exactly. just, let's just be in 100. You wouldn't, because he will it's punch you in your face. Like, you wouldn't talk greasy like that to him so exactly. like if you're not going to say that to him in his face like that why offer those kind of critiques to him on on air you know so yeah go ahead will <laughs> i was gonna say like y'all are right and i i would say you know da was like the first person i would say that really was like holding people's feet to the flame you know on the various mm -hmm. apps when they used yep. to talk crazy you know like it's not enough appreciation for just making it to that level you know I mean, he played listen so, he played 13 years in the league and made 70 million dollars all right he's, he wanted he's, life, bro. he's home talking trash on social media he got on youtube got an hour and a half um you know blog just going in about the whole situation which we won't talk about because we don't talk about the nonsense part of it but right he's 39 he's retired he has generational wealth out there whatever you know what i'm saying like that's the stuff that we always talk about you know black kings we got to do this we got to do that we got to get generational yep. wealth he did it you know what I'm saying? at the end of the day no matter what no matter what happened in his career a lot of these no fan can say they they did what kwame brown did that's a in fact a, in a quick 13 year span and it makes 70 million in the 13 i don't care if his hands is too small or whatever his game was and stuff like <laughs> right. that listen right he made he i know that we going way off but he took advantage of a situation in one McDonald's All-American game. 
You know what I'm saying? Yep. Go watch the McDonald's All-American game and see what he did. I remember um, Josh Childress tried to get him. No, he rubbed that off the rim. He was dominating Eddie Curry. Remember, Eddie Curry and Darius Miles were the best players in the country at that time. Kwame Brown was a commit to the University of Florida. That's it. Yep. He won Mr. Basketball in Georgia. He was a commit to the University of Florida, went to the All-American game, and did what Jeremy Lin did in 2012, and that's took yep. advantage of the situation. So why yep. are we – and it is what it is, right? Y'all always say what, what Jay-Z said, I'd rather be um overpaid than underrated or whatever, right? Okay, listen, he got the bag, and that's what happened. And the fact that they paid him more than one contract means that somebody, they love what he did. Regardless, yep. just because, like, you know, maybe Kobe didn't like nobody. Listen, Kobe is Kobe. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, Kobe's one of the top five greatest players of all time. To be at that level, you got to be a maniac. All right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to be a maniac. So, of course, you're going to. But to your me. point, DA, yeah. Kobe can do that, but not you. And then Thank even, you. And then even them as teammates, as men, we weren't there behind the scenes. We don't know the conversations and all that. And exactly. if Kobe was with us today, Things might even be a little bit different. Who knows? But the point that you're making is as a casual fan, as a media person, again, we can critique the game. That's what we're here to do. But we don't have yeah. to be cute and disrespectful about it. And exactly. You know, what do you think of the matchup, Will? Man, I think uh, you you nailed it, man. You know, and I, I look at it from this standpoint. Wiggins has improved a lot and he's showing a lot defensively and he could probably bother LeBron a little bit, you know, with the tweaked ankle, but you take LeBron out of it, you know, you still got Schroeder, KCP, and most importantly, AD is starting to look like AD again. You know, I think uh, it's just going to take too much of a, you know, Herculean effort, you know, from Steph to pull out the victory, man. Yeah. And I want to make a point on Wiggins too. You know, the, the Warriors haven't had, uh, um, an elite rim protector this year, you know what I'm saying? And and we got to acknowledge, if you actually watch the game, if you actually watch Andrew Wiggins defensively, he knows that because he does not let his man get by him. He actually stays in front of his man all the time, the, the, the entire defensive possession and stuff. You know what I mean? As far as, like, you know, holding LeBron, now we also seen young Wiggins have some great games against LeBron when he was giving LeBron 30. But LeBron overall in the career is 12-2 and two against Wiggins, so – like, you know, LeBron's LeBron, you know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. like, I don't know how that's going to be, but I do think that with that tweet ankle LeBron guy, I think Wiggins can definitely bother him, you know, being 6'8", six, 6'9", six, with that with that arm span that he got, you know what I mean? Um, But we didn't even talk about Anthony Davis yet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> shout out to, to AD, man. Uh, I, I said this last year, and people thought I was hating. It's just obvious when you watch it. AD is their best player, as crazy as that may sound. LeBron is the best player in the league, but AD on that team is their best player. And um, he just unlocks everything for them. Even when, um, oh, who was they playing? And he shut them down on defense. I'm blanking. I just watched that game. Who was they playing? And it was like he wasn't playing defense the whole game, but then it was like towards the end, it was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's Anthony Davis. Like, that's, that's, what, that's what we were missing. And I just think, again, the Lakers go as he goes. You know, it was, like, it was evident in the bubble. When he dominated, they won games. When they struggled, they lost because LeBron had to exert so much energy early on yeah. that he had nothing left in the tank left at the end of the game to, to elevate. It was games, especially against Miami, that Miami won. LeBron wasn't even barely getting off the ground to elevate the finish layups because he was so gassed for keeping them in the game early on in the first half. So 
the fact that AD's back, uh, he looks healthy. Um, it, it just, again, I just think like they just have too much. And, you know, I wanted to ask you this too, thinking of Wiggins. We know he was the number one pick. And maybe, I don't know if we'll ever get to this place, DA. I don't even know how to ask you this, but it's just fascinating to me, like you say, how they keep players there. So it's like, he's the number one pick and maybe he didn't live up to franchise player expectations, but he's still almost a 22, 21 point per game score. Like, I mean, he's still a really good player, Andrew Wiggins. He just may not lived up to the expectations. Like why we always got to keep players right where they are. Why can't we just say like, okay, maybe he wasn't this guy, but that doesn't mean he's not still good. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's weird to me because he's been much better than people realize. I, I, I'm going to say that. I mean, he, yeah, he had a couple bad games. Like, who didn't? But he's been much better than people realize. I really yeah. believe that. You know what? I, I blame college basketball because he looked like a man amongst boys in college ranks. Then when he get to the NBA, everybody, you know, athletically is there. You know what I'm saying? You know? So that's that's just how I, that's just how I would see it. I don't. Listen, he's averaging almost 21 points a game for his career or 20 points or whatever. He's shooting close to 50% for his career. Right, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) He's just been on bad teams. This is his first time really being on a really good team ever. And we're still like holding, you know, I don't know. It's just like once the media get their hands on the on the masses and stuff like that, they just keep you there and everything like that. And that's why, you know, we do what we do to try to bring some light to it that, hey, listen, you know, I understand you want to watch the big time media, but listen, there's people that actually know the game that care about the game that know what these players are about and stuff like that. We can speak that language and, and everything like that, you know? And, you know, as, as for Wiggins, you know, it's just, I think it's just that. I really think that he was just that good in college, which he wasn't even spectacular that much. He had low scoring games in college too. I'm going to tell know? you what it is. And we've seen it play out with a couple young guys right now with mm-hmm. Imani Bass and Mikey Williams mm-hmm. in the next ones. Yeah. Uh, like Kate, I said, the powers that, be in the media, they brainwash the casual fan and the expectations are always high because for them in media, the next story, the next narrative drives the ratings. So you're always trying to do that. It's not necessarily looking at their skill set. Me personally, I thought he was okay coming out of high school and college. As mm. crazy as his highlights look, the dunks and all that. But if you really broke his game down, he always struggled going left. He, he was an okay shooter. Mm-hmm. His best move was a spin move. Yeah. And I was taught early on, if you got to turn your back to get past people, yeah, that might work at certain levels because you might be more athletic than guys. But as you progress, yeah, the moves ain't going to always work like that. So I always felt like he was rated higher than what he actually was. I thought what we're seeing from him, I thought that's what he was going to be. Long yeah. arms, good, good, solid defender, can score it but he lacked the mentality to be a one or two like people wanted him to be. And I just thought right now his skill set might have improved and caught up a little bit to his athleticism. But back then he didn't, he wasn't that. And and those of us that come from certain parts of the country, we see this more than the average person, right? Coming from Chicago, you coming from New York, we see guys that can run and jump. Like we see that all the time that grows on trees. You might be in another era where you might see that every 10 years, depending on where you are. So when he hit the scene, everybody was going nuts. Then he has the pedigree of who his father was, you know, all that kind of plays a role. But me personally, being from Chicago, I'm like, 
Yeah, I kind of seen that before. I seen a little bit better version of that. His name was Ronnie Fields. Like I've seen that before. Yeah. I've seen that guy before, you know? Yeah. So like for me, I'm always looking at it through that lens where coming from Chicago, I've seen a style of player before. Like I've seen Zion Williamson before. That's Paul McPherson. Like I've seen that before. Yeah. So it's like, you have to really do something I haven't seen to put you at a certain level. Like when I saw Derrick Rose, I was like in high school against uh, Brandon Jennings on TV. I said, oh, okay, yeah. That's different. <laughs> That's different. Now I hadn't met my wife yet at the time who's known him since seventh grade. And they knew that as an eighth grader that that was different. But yeah. when I saw him, I said, no, nah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I didn't get that from Wiggins. And I don't get that from a lot of players. Like, believe it or not, when I saw Luca overseas, I was like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's see, different. I, I didn't yeah. see it because I was just like, I'm like, yo, he's just so slow looking and stuff like that. And Ron but told see, me how I he knew was, how hard it was to score over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, that too. I know. And, and but like Ron was telling me, was, <laughs> Ron was telling ahead. me how he would guard him and stuff like that. You know, Ron had quick feet, quick hands. And he was like, that step back, like it'll work today. But like it couldn't, it wouldn't work against him. So I was just like, you know what? You might be right. So I think Ron kind of got me with the brainwash thing or whatever <laughs> and stuff like that. You know what I mean? But he's special, man. Like, but the 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 year before he got drafted, though, that year when he just dominated and won everything. Yeah. That that that's the Luke. I was like, nah, son, that dude's different. And I knew because the <laughs> game is so different. People don't understand how hard, much harder it is to score overseas. Lucas said it himself. He said the NBA is easier. Yeah, it's easier in the Euro League. Mm -hmm. People were kind of laughing. I'm like, oh, it, no, like those of us that know, like, no. So, you know, not to get on a long tangent, I just wanted to ask you that about Wiggins because I think, again, the expectations for some of these guys, it's like, y'all, they're not going to live up to that. You know, certain guys will because it's just we've never seen it before. But those are what you call what? Generational talents. They don't come around every single year. It's like, seem like now every year, this person is supposed to be that person every year. And that's just not how it works. That's not, yeah. that's not realistic, you know? Exactly, so. exactly, exactly. All right, well, before we get out of here though, let's, let's do our predictions, you know what I'm saying? That's yeah, what we're here yeah. for, you know? Let's, let's do our predictions. So we're gonna start with the Eastern Conference. Um, Celtics or, um, no, hold on, I'm sorry. Let me pull it up real quick. I don't even have it. It's Celtics and Celtics, Washington. Yeah, we got Celtics or Washington. I got Washington winning and making the egg, the seventh seed. Mm. Yep. I got the I got the Washington winning. I just don't see Boston getting enough offense. That's that's going to be tough, man. That's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. Um, let's go to the West. Grizzlies or Spurs? Mm. I'm gonna say Memphis in a close one. I'm gonna say Memphis in a close one. All right, all right, all right. Back to the East. We got the number ten Hornets versus Pacers. Man, this one is different right here, though. This one is different. Different game. I like. Yeah. I like the Pacers. Hmm. I like. Oh, I really? Brock, yeah, I think Brogdon's gonna play. I yeah, like the all, right, Pacers. all right, all right. Yeah. And then last, but it's not gonna be least. a close one. Though. I don't think they're gonna like dominate another, but it's gonna be. Oh, okay, one. okay. And then last but not least, you got the. Uh, Warriors versus the Lakers. Lakers, I just think they just have too much unless Steph is just really going to have an out-of-body experience and then create more gravity for his players. Um, I got the Lakers. K-Dot got the Lakers, Pacers, Spurs. 
and he's taking the Wizards. Damn. I'm gonna go with um I'm going with the Hornets. I'm going with I'm actually going with I'm gonna go with Boston and then Really? Um, Are yeah. you just trying to be different? I'm gonna go with Boston. Now you know what? All I right. think I think I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Boston in, in, in a close one. You know what All I'm right. saying? I, and um because Bill, man, I think the Bill thing is a big deal with the hamstring and stuff. I think that's no, a big it deal. is. It is hamstrings. I've had a hamstring. Yeah, hamstrings is tricky. Some yeah, days you feel good, and then you could be feeling good and just have one wrong step, <laughs> and it and it and it fails you. So, nah, that's that's a tricky thing. Um, yeah. I think to be honest with you, the Hornets one is a. I think it's a coin flip. I really do. I think it could go either way. Like I, I, I was so close, but I just feel like Sabonis is so good, and if Brogdon plays, that just that kind of resets actually. it. And then you still got Levert. You know, Levert is still yeah. there. So, you know, yeah. yeah. And that allows Levert to just, what, focus on scoring a little bit more yeah. and letting Brogdon get him back to being that facilitator. And then you come off the bench with McConnell, who's a really solid facilitator and defender for them. So, yeah, he, again, he resets their lineups. He resets yeah. their lineups. So certain guys doesn't have to play a ton of minutes. Hmm. And then uh, Wes, I'm going with my Spurs, man. Over yeah, I knew you was going with the Spurs. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna try to be diplomatic the whole time, man. You know, say, but I'm, I'm going with my Spurs. And um, of course, you know, we're gonna go with the Lakers. I think that, um, you know, the the Lake, you know, Warriors gonna pull out that Draymond Green, you know, that death lineup. But they're gonna answer that death lineup with Anthony Davis at the center position, and there's nothing they're gonna be able to do to stop him right there. So, um, it's like you know, it's just up, like you said, Curry got to get fifty. <laughs> He's going yeah, to have so he can just open everything else with his gravity and the fact that yeah. it's a road game for Golden State too, right? Yes, it's a road game for Golden yeah, State. Yeah, at, at the end of the day, I just feel like the Lakers have too much. Now, as they go along in the playoffs, different conversation, but if <laughs> Lakers just have too much for this game, I believe, just too mm. much. So you think you think that since, because I picked the Hornets to win, you think that since the Hornets – got to go on the road since the Spurs got to go on the road too. So you think that, yeah. um, I think that it matters a little bit in these playing games. Yeah. There's actually people mm -hmm. in these arenas, man. Yeah. I think it, the travel, not sleeping in your own bed, the confidence part. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the, the John them and the Memphis, their coaching staff has been pretty good. They're going to look at film and see some of the mistakes that they made. I don't anticipate Dylan Brooks filing, you know, filing out, you know, so, but again, I think it's going to be a, a close one. Spurs are a really solid team. Like, it's not a pushover team. Uh, Jadante Murray is one of my favorite players, kind of a throwback. He lives in the mid-range, worked on his jump shot, can really shoot it well. Uh, Lonnie Walker, uh, Keldon Johnson. So, so they drafted guys mixed in with the older veterans, man. So, um, again, you could go either way in that matchup. Okay, and then we gotta do one more though, because the um the eighth place team, the loser of the eight seven actually plays the winner of the 10-9 for the eighth spot. So see, and that's when I think the Warriors can get that eighth seed. I think yeah. they beat either one of those teams. Yeah, I think they beat the Spurs or or Memphis again. Yeah, I really do. All right, so in the West, you got, you got, you got, so you basically got the Lakers at seven and you got the Warriors at eight. And yep. then um, you got the Wizards winning. And then you said you got the Pacers winning. So who you got? Um, 
Celtics versus um, Pacers, basically, for that A spot. Man, that's a more winnable game for the Celtics. Because mm. I don't know if they have anybody really for, for Tatum. So mm. I could see that kind of being a – that's a coin flip. But then let's say they get another day of rest and you can get Miles Turner back. Who knows? You know, so, man, I like the Pacers, man. Again, yeah. I've watched a lot of Celtics games. They, I don't think people realize, like, something like they really struggle to score. Like, and if Tatum and Brown are out, because they had it when either one of them been out all season, you know, Tatum had COVID, Brown had a couple other injuries. Like, when one of them are out especially, whoo, it, 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 gets, it gets tough for them to manufacture points. It really does. And Evan Fournier has not fit in. It's amazing yeah. how he's a guy. I don't think people realize who he was. He has to have the ball in his hand. He's a, a point guard type player as far, you know, he's a taller guard. Yeah. He's a playmaker in that pick and roll. He's not somebody you just put in the corner. And then if he gets in on rotation, you might go dribble handoff. Now for Orlando, him and Vucevic, had a great combination. He was the initiator of offense a lot of times for them, yeah. you know, so he haven't really hit his stride with that in Boston. So I don't, I don't, I just don't think they have enough offense. I could mm -hmm. be wrong, but I just really don't think they have enough offense. I would be pleasantly surprised, pleasantly surprised. Mm. So that means you're taking Wizards um, at, the seventh, at seventh and yeah. Pacers at eight. Pacers at eight. All right, for me, um, I had the Hornets, I had the Hornets winning and I had Boston winning. Um, so that means I'm gonna have, um, Boston at seven. Yeah. Boston at seven and, um, the Wizards playing. The Wizards at eight, pretty much. It's going to just stay the same and stuff like that. And with this one, you know, um, you know. Lakers at seven, Warriors at eight. I'm not, there's no bias in that one. Steph, it's just going to be Steph, man. It's going to be fun watching him get to play twice. You know what I'm yeah. saying? To try to, to try to, with his back yeah. against the wall and stuff like that. If he doesn't get past the Lakers and, and get an automatic spot, then it's going to be fun. I, I don't see him, I don't see him going down to, to these teams right here. I, I just can't see it alone. They, them guards can't guard him. <laughs> Simple as that. It's going to be. It's gonna be it's gonna be an embarrassment. <laughs> they can't. I, would, I could did I could have did three more breakdown videos. You know, I just did the one. But when you play against him in particular, it's like this with any really good NBA player. Yeah. You have to be sound. You have to be disciplined. Yeah. You, you cannot turn like it was a play even when Jaron Jackson was with him at the half court line, <laughs> and then Steph gave it up to Draymond, and it's almost like Jaron Jackson relaxed, like the the play was over. And then Steph sprinted to the three-point line. And it was like a give and go. Draymond gave it right back to him. He knocked down a wide open three. It's like, no, it never ends until you secure the rebound playing with them. Exactly. It's been like that even with Clay, even through the Durant years, pre-Durant with Harrison Barnes. You cannot stop playing defense until you secure the rebound. They're always moving. They're always moving. So You know yeah. what I was thinking, too, before we get out of here? Like, shouldn't the playing games be at a neutral spot, though? Like, like I think that would be cool. Like, no home court advantage, neutral spot. You know, they always talk about expansion. Like, I want to I want to see a playing game like Kansas City, Louisville, and everything like that. You know oh, what I'm saying? So I, then, like, 
you just got the local people showing up and you just gotta yeah i mean at that point it'd be almost like march madness so yeah I get I what think, you're saying yeah i mean i wouldn't mind it you know i wouldn't I, mind it i haven't gave it much thought but i wouldn't mind it but i, would, I just want to see something different I, I like the difference of that's why i like the commissioner's cup with the w you know what i'm saying i just think yeah. that it's kind of fun every game you got to play for and stuff like you know what i mean just something like that i just thought that would be cool to you know introduce the, the league to uh, i mean i obviously well, you know the league is well, worldwide maybe they should do that Within the, a regular season, then mm. versus not the the playing uh, games, the playoffs, because you have to reward winning, right? So it wouldn't be fair to be the seventh seed and then I got to play the eighth seed at neutral court, and then you know, like it just, you know, you want to still reward the seeding and have it mean something. So That's I can true. see why why they do it like that from that perspective. All I right. like the Commissioner's mm -hmm. Cup idea. Just do it in season and that way you can showcase the game in city cities yeah. that normally don't get to see the NBA. Exactly. Or the WNBA for that exactly. matter. And what and what the W is doing is that they're doing that that cup games within the league game. So there's no extra games being played and stuff like that. Right. So once right. they figure that out, I think that'd be dope. I think you know I, th I think that'd be cool. You know what I mean they just go by the record, the top two teams, you know what I mean, and then intra intra um conferences. Go play for a championship. And then pay somebody to put their a corporate sponsor to put their name on it. Everybody yeah. gets some of the bread. Exactly. You know, we all happy. And they was gonna name the divisions, the uh Will Chamberlain division and the um Bill Russell division and stuff like that. It wasn't gonna be like East it. and West. Yeah. That'd have been yeah. that'd have been that would have been pretty cool right there and stuff. Yeah, like, yep. yeah, yeah those guys they fly with, especially Will. Will doesn't get talked about nearly enough. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? But yeah, all right, man. Let's let's get on out of here, man. You know what I'm saying? Yes, uh, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, that's it. Glad for to us, have man. you back, man. Oh. Glad to have you <laughs> back, you know, chopping it up, man. Make sure to support all the content over here at 265 Media, um, the Off the Glass podcast. I took a hiatus this week because I knew we had to do this, so I didn't drop anything this week, but I'll be back. Make sure to check out all my merch. I'm designing a lot of different shirts, man. So please tap the link on my link tree. Instagram is Zach the Off the Glass. Uh, Twitter is Zach the Off the Glass. No, Instagram is Zach the Off the Glass Podcast, excuse me, and Twitter is Zach at the Off the Glass, or the store is www.totgpstore.com, so the Off the Glass Podcast Store.com. Check out the merch, man, support the podcast, and, you know, I really took some time with some of the sayings and slogans because I really wanted to reflect the podcast and the brand, you know, what I stand for, so I have the, you know, the be great, I have the uh, build a legacy, not excuses. And then on the back right. of the ass, what are you building? You know, I have another one called uh, knowledge plus hard work equals success. And then um, the last one I designed, I have uh, instead of got milk, I have got a podcast on there. And then I have another one coming called um, empowered. So, you know, me with me is always stuff with a message, man. So, you know, make sure to go over there, check out some of the merch, the quality is fire and support the podcast. Appreciate it. Yeah, facts, facts. Please support that man's podcast and his merch and everything like that. You make me want to bring my bigger than basketball shirts back, man. Those were my biggest selling ones too, man. You know what I mean? Nah, those to everybody. Was dope. I cop, I copped the hoodie. Those yeah, yeah, you dope. did. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I copped the hoodie. I gave it to one of my one of my peoples, man. Uh, they was you know walking around in it, rocking the Daniel Artest, man. Yeah, you know, yeah, so we over we over, we over uh, four hundred bigger than basketball pieces sold. So. You know what I'm saying? Wow, that's I, I incredible. Actually, I actually stopped selling it. You know what I'm saying? But I'm, I'm actually going to bring it back, I think, now, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it had an incredible message. And again, yeah. you know, for me, is 
it's not just about the merchandise sales. Like I want to sell stuff with a message. You know, of course yeah. I had the off the glass podcast yeah, one. Yeah, you want to yeah, support yeah. the podcast, but you know, me just being creative, I want to have a message that really represent the brand. And even with the the knowledge plus hardworking success, I have it in the mug, I have it in a canvas print. If you want to hang it on the wall, the build legacy, not excuses. I have it in a canvas print and a mug as well. So all I ask is just go over there and check it out. You'd be pleasantly surprised. I also have, did you give someone their flowers today? Mm, you know, we, we would get people their flowers. So I got that one too. So yeah, man, we, we working <laughs> I, over here at 265, man. I seen in the comments when you had the hoodie on, they thought you was a Portland Trailblazers fan. <laughs> I was like, nah, fan of no team, but a love of basketball. Portland just has one of the dopest uh, hats ever. Oh yeah, K-Dot just reminded me, my other one, the Hot Takes Sucks. You know, yes. we doing the no, the no Hot Takes campaign. So again, I, I, I'm not saying it because it's me like that. I just think it's fire. Just go check out the store. I really believe, I find it hard to believe if you check out the store, you wouldn't walk away with at least one item. Now, somebody said I said a hot take on the W today because um, I said that uh, this player from the Liberty named Michaela Onyenwere is going to be um, not only rookie of the year, but she's going to snag one of them all WNBA team spots, man. Listen. How's, how's that a hot take, though? She's nasty, okay? I mean, if she's nice, she's nice. She's that's nice. not a hot take. She's nice. She's nice. No, that's not a hot take. I, I scouted her. She was my favorite player to scout. <laughs> K-Dot said, WNBA you know you, you got a bias, though. <laughs> I have a bias. Not because I'm New York, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. Oh, you already know. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the NBA show brought to you by 255 Media, man. Listen, if y'all enjoyed this episode and would like to help support this podcast, please share it with your friends and post about it on social media and subscribe and rate, leave a review, man. We on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, man, wherever you consume your content. And I to catch all the latest podcasts from us at 255 Media. That's Daniel Chess Podcast. That's the Off the Glass Podcast. That's Hooper's Unhailed, the NBA Show, the WNBA Show, the NCAA Show, Jocks and Nerds United. Um, it's a bunch of shows, man. You know what I'm saying? The, the um, Lions Den. The, the Lions Den and everything. The sports and, Counselor. Yeah, with, 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 with Wayne. Yeah we, yeah, we got a lot, man. We got a lot got of a shows, lot. man. You know what I'm saying? Um, just follow us on Instagram at 265media LLC. I mean, 265media underscore LLC. And on Twitter, that's 265media LLC. And don't forget to follow the NBA show on Instagram and Twitter at the NBA show pod. With that being said, I'm Daniel. That's Zach. Hey, that was actually doing the notes today. Um, so he's here, but you know what I mean? You ain't gonna be able to hear him. I'm gonna see him. He's just here as an angel investor <laughs> and everything like that. Hey, shout out to Will. Man. Yeah, shout out to Will too as well. Everybody in the 65 media, all the listening and everything, man. Thank you once again. We appreciate everything that y'all do and just supporting what we're doing and everything. We see it by the numbers, the support, especially on Zach blowing up right now and everything, what he got going on and stuff. So, you know how we do. Love is love. Peace. Love is love. Peace.